0: Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. John chapter 20, verse 19, it says this, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 23, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Verse 26 A week later, so now we move a week on from this, this time. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, so the same place, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Wow. I want to tell you something today. You may not have seen the resurrected Jesus in physical form. And I don't know about you, but in my life as a Christian, sometimes I doubt whether Jesus is really with me and I'm, I'm moving through life and I, I can sometimes get these moments of doubts. Anyone with me on that? Just a few of you, I, I, I do feel like God is just there the moment you wake up on a morning. Sometimes I feel like Jesus is not there. And so I get these seasons where, just as Thomas did, we can doubt God. We can doubt whether he is in our circumstances. We can doubt whether he's going to get us through some of these things. And what we see here is this amazing story where Jesus, and, and I love this because it says the doors were locked, but yet Jesus, both times, enters a room when the doors have locked. How many of you know that when Jesus Christ was resurrected, he had the ability to walk through walls? Wow. Now, don't go down trying that downstairs today because our, our walls, there, they're quite strong. But Jesus had the ability to, to get into a room beyond the restrictions of what they had put on. So they've locked the doors, and it says they did this twice, A week later, they locked the doors, but now we're talking about the resurrected Jesus that you and I have worshipped today. You and I have lifted up his name. We've welcomed him to come into this room. That same Jesus, when he came in physical form, was able to walk through the walls, get into their place of uncertainty, and change their thinking. Now, I don't know about where you're at today, or whether you're in a place of restriction, you're in a place of confinement, you're in a place where you feel that Jesus cannot get to you. Can I say, if our Jesus can walk through a wall, he can get to your circumstance, he can get into your situation, and he wants to today. The title of this message today is, The Panic Room. The Panic Rooms. I don't know if you have these sometimes, but seasons in your life when you get into a situation where you've been going for God with everything you have. You've been doing everything you can. The Holy Spirit has been working through you. But then all of a sudden, out of the blue, you never expected what was about to happen. And you find yourself in a panic room. You find yourself in a place. You see, these people, by the way, this is just after the Easter story. This is just after Jesus has died for them. And they, and they see Jesus come through these walls. But they're in a place of fear, despair. And some of us today, right now, in your life, you have found yourself. You never expected it to be sat in the midst of a place where for you it's a panic situation. It says they were in fear of the Jewish leaders. So they were scared of outside. They were scared of what was happening. Jesus enters this room that is locked. Did you you notice on the story, it never says he knocks on the door and they unlock the door. Did you notice that? And a week later when they lock the door again, he doesn't knock. He lets himself in. Sometimes Jesus has to do that because we, we find it hard. Sometimes we find it hard to even pray. And do you know what he does? Jesus comes to rescue you. He comes in and he, he comes into the deepest, darkest moments of our life and enters into these places that I'd call today a panic rooms. Here they were, panicking, Wondering, what are we going to do? Jesus has been took away from us. We thought we were going to have him with us. Now we're on our own. And now all we have is these Jewish leaders who were out to kill us. You know, we we were away just the last couple of days. We visited London and we went to a hotel we normally go to. And uh, took the kids there and went to the theater. And and just had some time away. And when we arrived there, on, on the way down, we... We got the option to get a a digital key if you want to sign into your room and get in with your mobile phone. I thought, I'm not bothering with that. I'm going to just get the key, and we're going to go to the room. So we get to the the hotel. They give us the key. It's amazing what you can get on Tesco's Club Card. I do shop at Co-op, but Tesco's is good for Club Card points. So I I go into this hotel. We We get the key, and we go up with all our cases. We get into the corridor. And we're there, there's about three or four doors, and we're there ready to put the key onto the sensor to let us into the room. And lo and behold, after spending the money, getting all the way up with the luggage, getting all the way down to London, we get there in the hotel, put the key, and it still goes red, and it wouldn't let us in. I thought, have I not paid enough? So I went back down to the, to, to, to the night manager, and I said, I've got a bit of a problem, because our family's up at the, in the corridor outside the room, all the bags are there, we can't get into the room. And so he said this to me, he said, why don't I come up with you? I'll give you two new keys, hopefully they'll work. But listen, just in case, I'll walk up with you, I'll stand with you, and I'll use my master key that will allow you definitely to get in because I know my key works. I thought, well, that's good, at least I'll get a bed for tonight. So he comes up with me and we arrive in this place in the corridor. The bags are on the floor. The kids are, uh, are going crazy. And he goes up and he opens the door immediately with his master key. He forgot to give me a key as well after he left. So he let me into the room. The master key got us in. Can I say to you today that Jesus Christ wants to give you keys to the kingdom of God? We find ourselves in places like panic rooms we don't even go out and do anything for God. We feel that fear has got hold of us. And I want to tell you today that when Jesus comes in the room and he goes through the confines of where they are, do you know what he does? He says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is your key to boldness. It's your key to faith. To do what God has called you to do in your life. Receive the Holy Spirit, he says. Whatever your panic room is today, God wants to change that. Do you know something? Jesus did not walk in that room and give a motivational speech. He didn't walk in the room and say, can I just tell you about three steps to life and how you can have a better life and confidence and boldness? I just want to go through a few five-point five tip. In fact, I've got a a book you can buy on the way out of the door. No, he didn't say that. He came in and he said, peace be with you. When he says peace, he means peace. When he says this, then he says, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, he says, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. He promised Peter this. In Matthew 16 verse 19, Jesus said to Peter, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. The Holy Spirit, let me tell you, is here today to give people keys and to start to release yourself. Because, listen, when you're in a place of a panic room, that's where potential is restricted. That's where what God wants to do in your life is restricted. Can I just say, even though I've had a great week this week, we've been fasting, we've been praying this week, ready for mission. Can I just say that this week has been a tough, challenging week for me. And let me tell you, Satan did not want me to preach this message today. Satan did not want me to speak this message. By the way, this message I'm preaching to you was one I was preparing alongside another one several months ago and I told you about this and then I just went with the other one because I felt the Lord change it. I've been holding on to this message. The Lord's been speaking. I even believe when I was away, uh, prophetic words are flowing that are in this message. God wants to take people from a place of panic and fear and use you into your full potential. Number one, when Jesus enters the room, despair has to leave. In fact, I'll add another point in because we've got a bit of time. Despair and depression have to leave. It says when he stepped into the room, when he came in, that because they were fearful, it says the first thing, they were overjoyed. Wow. Do you know what overjoyed means? I know someone who knows a song about joy. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Overjoyed is when you're a bit more joyful than you normally are. You're overjoyed. Your joy is is just above and beyond. And it says that when Jesus enters and he says, Peace be with you, it says they were overjoyed. Despair has to leave. Depression has to leave. Let's read it again. Verse 19, it says, On the evening Of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now it says this, they were fearful of the Jewish leaders. Do you know that just before this, they were claiming to follow the king of the Jews. It's amazing what happens overnight, isn't it? It's amazing what happens when one minute you declare someone to be the king of the Jews. Now you're fearful of the Jewish leaders. Why were they fearful? I'll tell you why. Because Satan played on their religious IQ. Satan loves to play on the fact that you don't know enough about God. You don't know enough about the Bible. You don't know enough about this and that. You've got to do this course. You've got to do this course until you've got the confidence. You've got to do this course until you've got enough boldness in you. Can I just say to you, all these courses are fantastic that we run here, but there's nothing better than the power of the Holy Ghost. You know, I I encourage you to get on these things. Why? Because I believe they're fueled by the Holy Ghost. But, can I say, there is nothing more powerful than the Holy Ghost in your life. Yes, amen. Satan wants you to stop you right now in a place of panic that says, I cannot move forward, do what God has called me to do in this position I'm in, because I'm not brainy enough in the kingdom of God. I've not got enough knowledge to do this task. I've not got enough ability to do the things that I know I want to do in my spirit. But can I say today, there is nothing that can stop the will of God in your life. There is nothing. And Satan, what he does is he gets you to fear because it says they were religious experts. I know some religious experts. And sometimes I get a bit fearful around. Them. Do you know years ago there's a story I'm gonna tell you? Peter Cavana, great Bible teacher. Can I be honest with you today? He, years ago, he ran a he ran a Bible study on an evening. And, 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 and it was Lee Tilbury who said, I'm gonna show him up today because I'm gonna show myself up, so it's fine. And you're one of the leaders now, so it doesn't matter. Lee Tilbury said, I think I've got a great idea. Why don't we have a test? Why don't we have a test to, to show our ability? So we did. Peter Cavana set up a test, an exam. It was great. Lee didn't show up. We get him for that all the time. We sat there waiting for him to arrive and he didn't arrive. He, he's got all the great ideas. The problem is, what he doesn't know is this. I failed the test. I went. And I didn't get the certificate. Because on the Sunday morning when everyone got up, I was sitting there curling in my seat thinking, I hope no one knows that I didn't get this. This is the pastor that, that is serving you today. I realized something, that my, my IQ at the time wasn't the same as others. Can I just say, if you think sometimes that you know more than I, That's fine. That's fine. It's not a competition to who knows what. It's not a competition to how much you know and what the wood was that Noah's ark was built in because to be quite honest, in this day and age, I don't really care. But what I do care about is people's eternal salvation. We can learn about the wood. But that's, that depends whether you show up for the test or not. Maybe we should have that test again one night. This time I won't show up, you show up. <laughs> praise god despair has to leave fear has to leave they were fearful of the jewish leaders they were fearful because their spiritual iq was lower than theirs proverbs twenty nine twenty five says fear of man will prove to be a snare but whoever trusts in the lord is kept safe amen I put here, magnify a little intimidation in your life, and you'll qualify a greater limitation in your life. If you magnify the little intimidation that's coming your way, let me tell you a qualifying limitation. You're saying, limit me. If intimidation is coming your way, you feel fearful of moving forward because someone else around you knows more than you do. Let me tell you, it's not a competition. There are people who are going to be coming on the leadership course. They're going to know things probably that sometimes I don't know. But listen, we're in a family. We're all growing. We're doing it together. That's what the kingdom of God is about. When you get this, it's liberating. Because the enemy wants to get us into this pedestal mentality of how we think church is. But he takes ordinary people. Ordinary people like you and me. But sometimes we let things stop us. Fear stop us and get in the way. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind I want to remind you in Acts chapter 4 13 Peter and John are before the Sanhedrin they've just healed the man at the gate beautiful in Acts chapter 3 so they've just performed this amazing miracle they've seen a guy get up get healed and it says silver and gold we ain't got they didn't even have money let alone knowledge they didn't have much Silver and gold we ain't got. We ain't got much. But what we do know this is that we're filled with the Holy Ghost. And if we speak to you and tell you to get up, you're going to walk. What happens next? They, head, they end up in front of the Jewish court system, the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin are challenging them. They're questioning them all about who they are. And verse 13 says this in Acts chapter 4. This is the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders when they saw the courage, and by the way, this is after this scene that we've read earlier about them in the panic room. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And I love this. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Wow. In other words, they realized they didn't have the spiritual IQ. They didn't have the level of knowledge. By the way, if you've just got saved and you've just got into the kingdom of God, do you realize sometimes the last can be first? Do you realize that God can use you before he might use someone else? Wow. Because he's no respecter of persons. That's what the word of God says. It's amazing, isn't it? It's not the way the world works. You don't go up a ladder. You join in the family, you receive the inheritance and you start serving God. Wow. They were unschooled ordinary men. I don't know what you are today, whether you're just saying, well, I'm just this, I'm just that. I've not got much to bring. I can't really do much for God. Listen, when you're a fisherman, you become a a fisher of men. Knowledge of Jesus is not the key to your boldness, but knowing Jesus is. You've got to know him. You've got to get to know him. Know that voice and know that he will give you the key to get into what he wants you to do. Just the other week, I was out ministering up in Iceland, uh, up in. If anyone knows the church up in Islam, we went up there and, ministered, and I took with me Rob and Lewis and... We went out for this whole evening. The the meeting started at 7.30. They said, it's an hour and a half meeting. We finished four hours later. God was touching people, people getting healed, prophesying. And and I was just getting the guys up and saying, come on, just prophesy. Just landing them on the spot. Just letting us unschooled, ordinary men. Just let God use us. Okay? And God was using us that night. And Lewis gets up and he gives a prophecy over this young lad. And this young lad, Lewis... He put his head down and I watched him as he prophesied. And as he prophesied to this this young man, this young man was in tears. He didn't realize how much it was touching him. And Lewis was just doing this and thinking, is God really using me? I thought, if you only look up, you'll see he's been touched. God is touching him. Wow. And so Lewis says this. He says, I believe God's given you five keys. And so he starts releasing this prophecy of five keys. And I'm thinking, well, you go for it, son, because I ain't got this. It's your word. So he does. He gives him this word. This guy afterwards comes up to him and says, you don't realize these five keys, what you've specified and everything. I'm going to America and X, Y, Z. And I'm like, wow. So we're in the car on the way back. It's early hours of the morning. We want to get some food. We're talking about this. And we get right back to Rob's house and I'm dropping Rob off at his house. And what happens is Rob loses his key down my seat in the car. So four hours after I've been ministering to a church, I've now got my legs stuck out of the boot of a car, trying to get his key with an umbrella, and here we are, and Rob just chirps up and says, isn't it amazing, we were just prophesying a minute ago that someone would get five keys, we've not even got one. (laughs) We saw the key, we could see it, we couldn't couldn't get to it. So do you know what I had a brainwave? This is my IQ level. I said, Rob, I've got a great idea go in your house, get me a coat hanger. He says, I can't, because the key's there. I said, oh, yeah. So he slept at my house. That's what happens when you ain't got a key. But do you know what he said to me the next day? He says, I'll sort it out tomorrow, because why? He says, my mum's got a key. She's got a spare key, and I know that she'll come, and she'll give me the key to get back in. You see, let me tell you something. If you feel like you've lost the keys to the kingdom, if you feel like confidence has robbed you today, can I just say to you, can I encourage you today that Jesus Christ is with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you, and he always has a backup key. He always has another key. He always has another key. Can I just say, Rob, some things happen for a reason sometimes. I always say, God allow things to happen so that you can show us what you want to do in our lives. Luke eleven fifty two, Jesus speaks to the Pharisees. This is when he, he the woes to the Pharisees. He says this, "Woe to you, experts in the law! Imagine this, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered." And you've hindered those who are entering. The Pharisees hid the key to their breakthrough through religion. Can I just say religion isn't going to get you nowhere. Relationship will. It will give you the key. He says, you're hiding the key. Your expertise, your religious mindset is hiding the simplicity of the key to the success and to to, to what I want to do through people's lives. But you, through your expertise, are hiding the key to knowledge. They discovered relationship in Acts chapter 4. When they'd been with the Sanhedrin, it says they were unschooled, ordinary men. They realized they'd met with Jesus. Do you know what happened after that? They ran back to their friends to pray. And in Acts chapter 4, 29, it says that when they'd left there, they'd go back with their friends to pray. And it says, now, Lord, they said, consider their threats. They're talking about the Sanhedrin. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. In other words, they realized, when you feel like you've not got the IQ, go and spend time praying so that God gives you the boldness and dispels despair, dispels fear, dispels depression over your life. Number two, when Jesus enters the room, doubt has to leave. Doubt has to leave. They were all doubting. Did you know that? Poor Thomas. Call him Doubting Thomas. Actually, if you read the story... All of them are doubting because they're all locking themselves away. The first week, he says, they lock themselves in. Jesus comes up. He shows himself to them. He says, peace with you. Receive the Holy Spirit. He does something in their life. But do you know what? A week later, they lock the door again. Wow. Wow. They lock the, you'd think after a great experience you wouldn't lock the door again you'd think you'd be going for gold you'd be going for Jesus can I say there are people right now in this room you've been going for gold you've been doing great things for Jesus then all of a sudden all of the experiences that you've had it doesn't matter how many experiences you've had you get in a place sometimes where you feel like locking the door again and then Jesus shows up again he comes for Thomas And he also comes for the crowd that he's already been to before. You see, we all look at Thomas, but he's actually coming to remind them again. Can you remember what I did last time? A week ago, I released you from here. I gave you. I said, I received the Holy Spirit. I breathed on you. I tried to give you confidence. I breathed my peace into you. But yet you're back here locking the door again. Can I just say, if you've been in that situation, you had confidence. God wants to breathe upon you again today. He wants to give you the ability to not doubt Him. Experience is not what you build your faith upon, it's obedience. You don't build your faith on experience. If you build your faith on experience, all experience expires. Did you know that? All experience that you'll ever have in church, encounters with God, all experience expires. But obedience will refire you. It will refuel you. Why? Because if you live for obedience, you're constantly serving. Your focus is on Jesus. You're not focusing on how you feel. Obedience is the key, not experience. Hebrews 5, 9. He, that's Jesus, became the source of eternal salvation for what? For all who obey him. In other words, if you obey him, you get the source of salvation. That is Jesus. Amen? You see, doubt will lock up your potential. The enemy wants people to doubt in here that God can't use you. That God, what he said over your life, actually, did he really say that? Is this situation I'm in now, is this actually something that's going to cripple me? I'm doubting whether God can come through on my situation right now. Maybe that's you. I'm doubting whether God really understands the level of intensity that I'm going through right now. But can I say to you, it doesn't matter how much intensity. Why? Because he's the prince of peace. He's the prince of peace. Can I say if you're doubting today, just ask God to fill you with his faith. Boldness. I remember in Matthew 14, Peter, when he steps out of the boat onto the water, he steps out onto this place. And do you know what? We've said it before. He sets up this miracle. So he says, Lord, if it's you, call me to you and, and I'll come. And so Peter, he takes this step of faith out of his boat. Can I just say, Peter, what he does is he steps into a miracle, but he also does something else, he steps out of limitation. He steps out of confinement. He steps out of his panic place. That boat was a place where they had been fighting against the waves. Now he's stepping out of something that's restrictive. Can I say God wants people today to step out of restriction, step out of places of confinement, because he says, I want to do something greater for you. I want to use you in a more powerful way. Do you know what else I see as well? The moment that he stands off that boat and we know that he starts to doubt because he starts to sink. And why does he sink? Because he says he sees the wind. You can't see wind. To see wind you have to be looking down and you have to see the effects of the water. So he was looking at the water. But do you know what he did? When he took that first step and he looked to Jesus and he had his eyes on Jesus. Do you know what was happening? He was defying the laws of physics. That's greater than IQ. That's greater than any IQ. He was defying what anyone in Cambridge University would say. That's not possible. He's defying the laws of physics. And do you know what he did? His new ground that he walked on was supernatural ground. It was a supernatural foundation that defied the laws of physics. And God wants you to step out of what you think is great and not to doubt him. But as you take that step of faith onto the foundation that is supernatural, it defies the laws of physics. It defies what anyone out in the world could offer you. Because I love it that when he steps onto the sea, the sea becomes his new foundation. How big is that? How big is that? God's saying to you today, you think your boat's good, it's time to get out. You think your boat's amazing, it's time to get out. Because when you step on my water, you'll realize that I can take you to places that defy any law. Doubt will stop you see the moment he starts to doubt and he sees the wind he starts to sink what happens doubt will start to remove your supernatural foundation god wants you to trust him today proverbs 3:5 says trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding i love that i want to ask you today what are you leaning on what foundation are you leaning on What foundation? If you look in Matthew chapter 7, you'll see it talks a a great little illustration of of this house that's not built on on a good foundation. So when it says that the the bad weather comes and it will knock this house down. And we love that story. It's actually talking to Christians. It's not talking to non-believers. It's saying people who believe in Jesus, you've got to build on good foundation. Because when something comes, it will absolutely knock your house flat. He's not talking to non-Christians. He's not saying, this is non-Christians. He's saying, if you believe in me, you've got to make sure, you better make sure. Because when Satan comes in and he tries to knock your house down, it will go flat. Because the force will take you down. What foundation are you building on? Because you better get ready. If you look, I'm sorry to say this, but some churches wouldn't like to preach this. But if you look at just before in Matthew 7, at that particular story, I'll tell you what it says. If you look in your NIV, it says, Jesus looks at true and false disciples. Then it goes into that section. What he effectively is saying is this, are you a true follower or a fake one? Because if you're a fake one, you're building on a foundation that looks good and supernatural, but it's not. And I'll tell you, every fake foundation will be tested. I want to build my foundation on supernatural foundation that's strong. Because when the wind and the water comes, it will not knock me down. Why? Because I'm building. I want to be a true disciple. Now it says this, Jesus says that before when he's talking about true and false disciples, it talks about the end times, that when Jesus returns, he'll say, some will say, we prophesied in your name. Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Let me tell you, I don't care how many healings you've seen. I don't care how many demons you've delivered. It does not matter because Jesus says, get away from me, you evildoers. I never knew you. There's a key word in all this. No. In other words, what Jesus starts to say is, he then moves into the foundational aspect. What he's trying to say is, if you want a really good, strong foundation, don't try and build it up with experience and gifts. Build it up with my, a relationship with me. If you do that, you're going to have a really strong foundation, and you're going to be the type of people that, that you're going to know that when I come, you know my voice. You, you, you won't be that type of person that says, look, look, Look at the foundation I built. I healed six people on the streets. Look, I prophesied to these people. I did all these things for you, Jesus. Look at this foundation. And he's saying to you, you never knew me. You never spent time with me. You feel how you want to feel about those scriptures. But can I say today, I'm glad I know him. And I want to know him more. Because I don't want to be, I'm sorry to say this, I don't want to be the one, when I see him and the judgment is coming, that when he comes back, he says to me, I want him to say, good and faithful servant, well done. Yeah. Not Phil, I didn't know you. You did lots of things. And by the way, we can all get into healing people and doing all these things. But listen to me, you've got to be very careful. Get to know him. Get to know him. More than getting to know what his hand does. Get to know his face. Hallelujah. When you know him, he will take you out. It's the voice of God that you've got to trust. Do you know years ago I used to work in a hotel? Me and Emma used to work in a hotel. And one day I was going into the lift. I may have told this story before, but one of my biggest fears is getting stuck in a lift. The doors shut. I was there with cases. And I was stuck in this lift. And so the only thing I could do is press the emergency button and the call and to talk to someone. And I talked to reception, spoke to my wife and said, I'm stuck in the lift she left me there. She told me she was phoning someone. I'm not sure if she did. But I was in this lift. I was stuck in this lift. But can I just say to you, despite all of the technical abilities of what anyone would do, do you know what I trusted? The voice of the person I knew. Because I thought, if they know I'm in here, they're going to get me out of here. If they know I'm in this place of confinement, hopefully they're going to get me out of here. But listen, some of us, sometimes we rely on our expertise, our knowledge. But can I just say, rely on Jesus. When you get to know him, he will take you from your panic places and release you and get you out of a place of doubt. Amen. Finally, when Jesus enters the room, not only despair, depression, and doubt has to leave, but can I just say, disciples have to leave. Disciples have to leave that room. The reason Jesus visited that room was for a primary purpose. And do you know what that was? So that they would leave the room. He entered the room so that they would leave. He didn't enter to have a party and say, let's have church here. Let's put some lights up and decor this place out. Let's do a a really nice little church meeting. No, he stepped into the room and Jesus gave them a mandate to go and get out and unlock the door. And I want to tell you today, we have not come in this room today and we're not going to stay in this season in a place of confinement and just enjoying meetings. It's time to go. It's time to unlock the door. It's time to get out. It's time to let God do what he wants to do in our city. And we're not going to let Satan stop that. He entered the room so that they would get out the room. He said this, verse 21, and if you don't believe me, peace be with you. He says to them, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Not, I'm asking you to just set up a coffee area over here and just stay there. No, as the Father sent me, I'm the resurrected one now. I'm going back to prepare a place. The Spirit of God is going to come. I am sending you you, Jesus was saying my mandate is your mandate, what I had to do is now your responsibility despair and doubt to leave, but more importantly they had to leave, you see when you deal with the issues of your problems of boldness and fears, and boy did Peter have some of that doubts, letting Jesus down, he said he wouldn't but he did But as Jesus reinstated Peter, gets him into this amazing place, what does he do? He gets him to that place ready to do the Great Commission. Jesus will deal with your emotional problems. He'll deal with your despair. If you've gone through depression, you've gone through some of these things, I praise God today if you're released from that. Because listen to me, God wants to release people from depression. And he will do that and he'll get you into a place that he can start to use you again. And thank God for all the medics that help people get into that place and release people. But can I just say, isn't there anything better than when you got all these things, but we've got Jesus. We've got Jesus. He wants people to be released into that place so they can leave and do what he's called them to do. I'm coming to a close soon. If the team could get ready to just to come back. We have to leave. I want to just show you something. That God just put on my heart when I was preparing this message. And it's in Exodus chapter 14. Exodus 14 and verse ten through to eighteen. And it's the it's the story of Moses when he arrives at the Red Sea. Famous story that we all know about. But he arrives at this place, and for them it says that they were in a place of panic. So, same kind of thing. They just weren't in a physical room locking the door, but they're in a place of panic. They've got people chasing after them, behind them. And as they're at this precipice, this place, this point of how on earth are we going to get any further? There is no way forward. The only way is if the laws of physics were defied. The only way that God could do this if the laws of physics were defied. Because we ain't getting over this water. we got an army chasing after us. We feel fearful. They've got far better weapons than us. And I I remember the kind of things they used to get us to do. Building these bricks. And doing all the things we had to do. I remember they're so much more clever than us. We've got to get across here. But we can't get across because... If we did, it takes defiance of the laws of physics. How are we going to do it? Exodus 14, verse 10 through to 18. Verse 14, sorry, first of all. The Lord will fight for you, Moses said. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses... Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff. This is God speaking. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand, Moses. Over the sea. To divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. He says, Why are you crying out to me? Why are you crying out to me? Do you see this? Do you know in in Psalm 46 it talks about the psalmist cries out about saying, Be still. Sometimes you've got to be still. Sometimes it's good to be still when you're praying over things and you have to be still in God because sometimes you can't be in Syria when bombs are being dropped. You can't be in Syria to help someone when there's a chemical attack, but you can pray. You have to be still and trust God. Sometimes you just physically can't be there. But when you are there, when God has given you your foundation to step into and everything is shouting against you and telling you it's not possible. When the laws of physics are defying against you. When you're looking ahead and you're looking straight at this problem. Can I just say to you today, he doesn't say be still. He says move on. Amen. Why are you crying out to me? It's not a time for the Psalm 46, be still. still. You've got it all wrong. You're using scriptures to keep yourself there. No, no, no. It's not about being still now. It's time to move on. And by the way, I didn't just say move. I said use that staff. Use the staff in your hand. And also stretch out your hand. There are people in this room right now, you've been given staffs of gifts and abilities. You've been given things that God has has given to you. He's given you a staff. And some of you are saying, I ain't got a physical gift. I, I, I can do stuff with my hands and I can do X, Y, Z. He said, stretch out your hand. If you don't feel like you've got a staff yet, well, you've got your hand. He said, move on. Move on. He says, move on, stretch out your hands and raise your staff. I want to say to you today, it's time not to stop in your place of panic and say, let's be still and have a prayer meeting. It's time to move on. And when you do, when you raise your staff, the same principle applies to what applied to Peter. Right back in Exodus, the laws of physics become defied and then a miracle occurs and God gives you a new foundation. You see, they weren't supposed to be walking on the bottom of that seabed. But a new foundation, a new path, a new way, a new direction, a new way forward is given to them. Hallelujah. There are times to be still. And let me tell you something. Now's the time not to be still when Cambridge is ahead of us. Now's the time not to be still when your city and your workplace is ahead of you. Now's the time not to be still when God wants to use You raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When we got to that hotel just the other day, I was looking at how I could have used the digital key. Because I thought, well, I couldn't get in with a normal key. And the digital key says that if you set the the settings of the, the fact that you've paid Your hotel bill and your reference number gets applied to your phone. Your phone will tell the key to open. Can I just say something? That God sent his son 2,000 years ago. He paid the price for you and for me. He has paid the price. He's given a confirmation number to you. If you receive that today, if you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost into your life, let me tell you what happens when you use the key. It's not your purchase. It's what He purchased. Jesus died on a cross so that the Holy Spirit could come for you. He says today, I want to give you that digital Download, so that when you go, it's not your reference that lets you in. It's my reference. I finish with this. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. Let's stand.